Hello, and welcome to the Paul Cardall Podcast. I have music that I've recently released, you might not be aware of, A Grief Observed. This is a piece that has been appreciated by many critics. I am grateful that it is resonating with so many people. A Grief Observed, it's inspired by C.S. Lewis' book, A Grief Observed, about his wrestle with God in trying to understand grief. You can go back and listen to some previous episodes about grief and the song A Grief Observed. Before that, I released 13 new original pieces, piano and light orchestration, on Return Home. Return Home is inspired by the lands of my ancestors, and many of those lands are probably where your ancestors came from. So it's a reflection of our roots and the love we have for what was passed down to us and the way we connect with family. So you can find that music by going on my website, paulcardell.com. Of course, you can also find it on any music platform where you like to listen. The sheet music is also available. It's on my website, paulcardell.com. I'm excited because I got my good buddy, Luke Lefevre, here today. He's got 20 plus years of experience working with creatives and business owners. And, you know, he's a guy who is such a creative that it caught the attention of Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey hired him to be the chief creative officer for his entire company in an effort to try to bring awareness to him. But uh, since that time, the thing that he is doing that I wanted to bring him on to talk about is the importance of journaling. A couple episodes ago, we had some heavy subjects talking about grief, the various stages of grief. We talked about guilt in grief. And one of the number one things they say to do when you're trying to process this pain that's come as a result of losing somebody is journaling. And also, you don't necessarily have to be going through grief in order to do this, it has so many benefits. So I want to bring on my good buddy, Luke Lefevre. Hey, how good. are you? Great. Great to be here, Paul. We're making it happen. It's great how to long, talk to you. How long have we known each other? Uh, maybe a year. Maybe, is, maybe, maybe yeah. less than a year. Ryan yeah, we got had. us together at, at his house one time and we hit it off. It's cool. We have a group of guys... A lot of times, you know, they're all connected to somebody, but, uh, yeah, like Luke said, we get, we get together and just sit around. Yeah. A lot of us talk, talk life, talk Jesus. And the beautiful thing is there's no transaction no. in those relationships. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just a good, it's been really good for me this last year, uh, transitioning from what I've been doing for a long time to something new. And it was just good to have a new group of friends and people to be involved with. And you're one of those. So I'm very grateful for you. For I'm sure. honored. <laughs> that, man, the feeling is mutual. Um, it's important that uh, men fellowship. With it's hard. Another. It's super weird and hard, and I don't know why that is. Uh, it was, I mean, just Friday. So today's the 14th. Yeah, just Friday. <laughs> uh, I, it was a day where I didn't have any meetings, and so I was at home working on the website and, you know, just stuff, and I 
got to like three thirty, and I was like, I got to get out of here. And well, like, who do I text? <laughs> like, I've got a bunch of people I could, and, you know, and it's texted some old friends. Hey, let's go get a drink, hang out for a bit, you know. And mm -hmm. so we did, and it was it was exactly what I needed that day. So yeah, friends are weird for dudes, and you just gotta keep you just gotta keep showing up, you know. And that's hard. I don't know why, but it's hard. You know. I've talked about this with a couple couple other people. Do you think it's because when, you know, I've always had this idea that, look, there's a system in place and you're supposed to do this, this, and this. And by the time, yeah. you know, you graduate from high school, you go to college and that you fall in love and you get married, you kind of, you got, all, you got your buddies up until like you get married yeah. and then you're so devoted to providing you know, even, you know, your wife is working or she's not working. Um, you're both trying to survive in today's economy. You got gas $5, yeah. you know, out in Vegas uh, per gallon, <laughs> yeah. which is insane. insane yeah. Um, but, but we dive so much into our work and about there's this ambition always in the human spirit to yeah. rise, yeah, right. to level, level up. So, you know, most of us go golfing or do things with people yeah. associated with work where there's a transactional yeah. relationship. Right. So we kind of, we don't, you know, do you think that's well, kind of, I think partly it's that, uh, I haven't put too much thought to it, but I have two boys and two girls. And so it's interesting to see the difference between girls and boys. So my two boys mm -hmm. use, you know, stereotypically or whatever, about one quarter of the amount of words that the girls do in, in, in any kind of thing. And the girls just like hanging out, like they'll, they'll just come and they'll just sit with me or, or whatever. And, and my daughter Emery was just in here and she had the dog and she was just hanging around. Well, there's nothing really to do, but the boys, if there's something to do, they like to go do that together. They, you know, let's go play basketball or let's go to the store, you know, to get something. So there's like a, let's do something together. And it probably just goes till we get older. It's a little sidetrack, but there's this book I read uh, called your favorite band is killing me and it's by uh, <laughs> Stephen Hayden. It's a great oh, book. And he awesome. just, he does all these contrasts and I know it sounds like out of left field, but what he's talking about is uh, conflicts in rock music. And so he brought up Jack White and Dan Auerbach from uh, Black Keys and White Stripes. Oh yeah. And he's, yeah. And, and apparently they have some beef. I don't know what, you know, who knows if it's real, but they have some beef together and he goes onto this whole tangent and he's like, listen, they're both, at the time, in their upper 30s, they both have successful rock bands in the alternative rock music genre. They both probably have kids that are the same age. They both probably go to the same schools. You know, their kids go, why can't they be friends? You know, <laughs> and like they should be friends. And I know, no kidding, no kidding. But I, hey, listen, in the music business, uh, you kind of create these uh, rivals. Yeah, right. That's how you, you know, you, you, you stir it up and you get uh, some media press. It's like at the Grammys, there was Lana yeah. Del Rey yeah. and Taylor Swift up for the, you know, a, a Grammy. They were competing with each other. And so yeah. fans always, you know, even my daughter was like, oh, you know, Lana and Taylor don't like each other. Uh, but you know what? They were sitting next to at each other. At the Super Bowl. Not only at the Super Bowl, but at the Grammys. Oh, really? So, you know, it's this okay. kind of a, you know, it's this kind of this uh, strategy. But uh, exactly. But in the real world, yeah, th those kind of things happen. There's this competition within the workforce. And, you know, so we're, you know, and back to the men where we're constantly, 
going and going, you know, I think we do nothing compared to what women do. Um, working, they're a oh, lot yeah. more nurturing with the children, yeah. you know, plus they have to kind of raise us. They, they don't want to, <laughs> but, but, you know, they're, they're forced to. Yeah, they're forced to, and you know, we're just beating our chest. Yeah, woman. Uh, woman you well, know. I was talking just this morning, and you know, uh, you can cut this out because it's Valentine's Day. I don't know if you care if there's dates involved here, but I was meeting with uh, a group of people that I meet with on Wednesday mornings, and one of them is a lady, and she's like, "Well, I'm getting home, and we're doing Valentine's Day, and we do like whipped cream waffles and uh, with the kids, and we we put food coloring in them, make it a whole thing." And and I'm like, "That's a great idea." I haven't thought of anything, you know? And I was like, man, women just make things into events and they make yes. memories. My wife is so good at that. She's like, I want to, let's do experiences together and make memories and all the stuff. And I'm so grateful for it. Cause I'm like, man, if it was up to me, I'd be thinking of it last minute and then stumbling through it. So it's, I'm, I'm very grateful for all well, the women in my I, life. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you've got a you know an amazing <laughs> wife and that that woman who says has waffles and yeah put some whipped cream on there you know yeah that's uh -huh. a, that sounds pretty good you got to put you also got to put some chocolate syrup a little bit of so, sprinkles well, and nuts here's what happened and I was at the grocery store so after I had that meeting with that group this morning where she mentioned she was going to make these waffles I was like that's a great idea so I run over to the the grocery store right after and I'm like well I'll come home and I'll make some pink pancakes and stuff. So I, I go to Publix and I grab the pancake mix and I have it under my arm. And then I have, I, I grab some flowers, some roses too. And yeah. then I have a thing of whipped cream. The only Jeez. thing you can see in my hands is the whipped cream and the roses. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> and I wow. get, to the, I get to the register and he can't see the the eggs or the, or the uh, uh, pancake mix. And I get to the register and the guy goes, Oh, uh, see what you got here. And I was like, man, I'm making pancakes for my kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the code word with the wife. Hey, let's yeah. go make pancakes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. But, you know, uh, I, but we're talking about um, with Luke, we get so involved in life, you know, with, yeah. with taking care of kids, working, and we're going, going, going. So many of us forget to slow down, yeah. slow our mind down, um, and, and rest. And I heard, Luke, a sermon from Rick Warren, who my wife used to work for at uh, Saddleback Church in California. And uh, Rick Warren was talking about that commandment, thou shalt rest. Mm. And yet, Sundays, and for other Christians, it's Saturday, but you spend that day really doing a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. you go to church, you um, have communion with each other by being around each other. You're invested in the emotional state of other people. And, yeah. you know, then it's a uh, sports after ha afternoon yeah. on, on TV or wherever right. you go, or, you know, you do an adventure. So you're not really resting. Yeah. And, and his point is we need to pick a day hmm. to slow down. Yeah. Even if it's half a day. Yeah. Which as you've learned and this is why you do it. Yeah. People and I'm generalizing <laughs> because people have discipline and then there's people who just they just don't know what to do. So yeah. 
So let's go through sure. what you're doing to help solve that problem and encourage people yeah. and teaching well, them how. Yeah. It, the, and the teaching how came from just my experience. Um, it was, so I'm 44 now. When I was about 29, about 30 years old, um, me and my wife were going through a really hard time. I was a pretty discontent person. I had a bunch of addictions, I, you know, just a bunch of crap in my mm -hmm. in my life. And I would profess to be a believer in, in Jesus at that point, but I wasn't actively seeking him in my life. And me and my wife got to a point where I was I was ready to be done. Um, making mm -hmm. a, a long story short, but I I just couldn't deal with this discontentment I had. And I I started to blame her for this discontentment. And mm -hmm. I was out running one time and uh, this was in 2010. I was out for a run and my brain just started to, you know, fill itself with all the thoughts. And I had started to blame her for, for my discontentment because we had been together for so long because we got married really young. And I was like, well, we just got married too young and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. So my brain was just kind of putting all these issues that were totally mine <laughs> yeah. on her. And when I was out for this run, I actually started to think, oh man, I'm, I might have to get a divorce. Like I can't do this. Jeez. And when I started to have those thoughts, I started crying. Like I was just kind of at a rock bottom spot. And in reality, yeah. it was a whole lot of nothing. She was doing it and mostly in my head. And when I was having those thoughts, I felt what I describe as a giant, I don't know why I describe it this way, but a giant thumb on the back of my body. And it just sort of smacked me out of that. And I, I sensed the words, be still and know that I'm God. I didn't hear it. It just, it just like smacked me. And it was, it was a real thing. And that doesn't happen to me all the time. I, I think that time is the only one I can actually remember in my whole life where something weird like that happened. So I got home and uh, I didn't tell Mandy any of that, but I just kind of processed what the heck was that? Mm -hmm. And honestly, what I started to think was, God, was that you? <laughs> huh? Mm -hmm. if, if that was you, then that means you're real. And if you're real, then maybe what is said in this 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 Bible, these scriptures, is true. And like I said, I'd, I'd grown up around the church. I had I'd been a quote unquote Christian my whole life, but I was not I was not behaving that way in my life. You, yeah, you weren't and all when, in. I wasn't all in. And when I started to think that way, like, oh my goodness, maybe this is not just something my parents brought me up with. Maybe this is a mm -hmm. real thing. And so. I got home and I felt a nudge to write Mandy a letter. Like I felt okay. like she was like, you need to tell Mandy the truth about everything. The truth will set you free. That's what I kind of mm -hmm. sensed. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I got out my computer and I started typing. And I, I, I just told her all my doubts. I just told the truth. All my doubts, my fears, what, what uh, my brain was doing. And at the end I said, but I think what I'm thinking is, is distorted in some way. And I'm willing to fight for this if you are. Mm. And she thankfully said, yeah, I'm in. And so we started going to a counselor. We started, you know, working on our relationship. But the the prompting to write a letter and tell her the truth stuck with me. And I thought, man, I told Mandy the truth. And I, I thought it was going to hurt our relationship. Yeah. But it actually made it better. Mm. And then what if I started to do that with God? 
what if I got up in the mornings and I started writing what I was actually thinking and feeling to God? Yeah. And and so I did. I, I this was yeah, 2010. I just started getting up early and and writing and I'd read a chapter of the Bible and I'd write what I was actually thinking about it. Not like what I thought I was supposed to say, not what my pastor would think was appropriate, not what, you know, impressing my dad or something. It was just the real honest thoughts of, of what Luke was going through. And I would end it with, please be my guide and teacher. And so I started that 2010, did that 2011, 2012 for five years. And I really didn't tell anybody that story. Yeah. I did it for about five years, just getting up. But about five years in, I had just kind of started to realize that I was having favor at work. You know, I, I, you mentioned I was at Ramsey. Uh, I was put in some leadership positions there. And I just was like, whoa, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. What I was really doing was just seeking God first in my life and mm -hmm. telling him the real stuff of what I was going through. Mm, okay. And in 2015, I started to tell a version of that story to a few people. And because they would be struggling with something, I'd be like, man, you know, you should get up, you know, get up tomorrow, get a journal and just write for like two pages. Just, just don't stop. Just write exactly what you're thinking and feeling. And then they would do it and they'd come back and they'd be like, Luke, mm. uh, I don't know what, uh, I'm not sure what happened, but it was mm. incredible, you know? And they would, mm. they would say stuff like that. So I'd be like, oh, cool <laughs> you know yeah and yeah. and so they started talking about it and i kind of over the last few years of my time at ramsey i was there almost 15 years i was known as the journaling guy like because i would <laughs> i would teach on it and i would talk about it because yeah. what i learned now 15 years later is i mean there's science behind this there's oh for there's, sure there's so much science but what i learned through just experience was i was processing what all the things in my brain were doing in a quiet place yeah yeah. And what it does is journaling acts like a budget for your brain. You know, when you have a bunch of bills out there or something and you're like, well, I know I got to deal with that. And you finally just get out and you write it all down and you're just like, okay, yeah. I, owe, I owe this bill. I owe that bill. I owe this bill. It's the same when you journal and you just get uh, all the thoughts that are in your head out. And I think for, uh, from a Christian perspective is you are, uh, Jesus says not to let all the cares of this world bother you. Right. Well, this is you giving all the cares of this world to him and saying, here's all the stuff I'm worried about. I lift it up to you. Please redeem the crap that needs to be redeemed and help the yeah, help me learn what you're trying to teach. And so I've been doing okay. that for 15 years now and talking to other people about it and helping them do it too. Yeah. And before we get into that, I, I yeah. want to ask you, well, there's a couple of questions. One, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, you know, I just Googled real quick uh -huh. the importance of keeping a journal and University yeah. of Broadchester Medical Center said yeah. keeping a journal helps you create order when your yeah. world feels like it's in chaos. Yes. Um, so I want to go back though, because you use journaling as a process to organize the chaos in your life. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that what you're doing is you're getting up in the morning and you're reading, you know, a chapter or whatever yeah. of, of the Bible, then yeah. you journal. Um, before that, and I think this resonates with a lot of people, but before that, did you feel like, oh, from a different perspective, mm -hmm. oh, I should be reading, I should be reading the Bible. Oh, yeah. And I'm yeah, not, I should be. 
Yeah. And so there's that guilt, there's that yeah. shame of, oh my gosh, I'm not doing yeah. uh, these things. So I'm like committing these little sins of transgression, things that yeah. you, you probably should be doing, but um, you have to reap the consequences of the fact that you're not doing it. Yeah. So did you fall into the journaling because you're a creative uh, good question. You know, because you are a chief creative officer for these brands. And so you're used to creating creative plans to organize this. Hmm. So the question is, do you think it's because you're a creative soul or how can people who are not creatives get to that point where they want a journal? And yeah. And let me paraphrase by saying, God was changing your heart. So this was part yeah. of the motivation. Yeah. Um, and that's not teeing up a softball, but, but how do people that, <laughs> how do people that are not creatives understand how to do this? I, uh, to answer a couple of the questions that were in there, um, I'll start with, there was a whole lot of shoulds in, in my life beforehand. Like I said, I grew up in a little Christian school and it was all, it was called the quiet time, you know, mm -hmm when I was growing up and you, did you have your quiet time? And I, it was almost a legalistic thing growing up. So I, I didn't have it and I felt bad about that. And when I was at that lowest point with uh, the stuff going on with Mandy and I, mm -hmm. I started writing out of desperation. It was mm -hmm. the truth will set you free. So I, it might be partly because I'm a creative and I, you know, I've written songs throughout my life. Writing is a thing that is part of my life and it might've been a way to express that. Um, but what I've learned on the science side is, uh, there's a, there's a book, um, I, re I reference all the time called the body keeps the score. Mm, uh, yes. by Dr. D Bessel van der Kolk is his name. Great, great book. And yeah, it's incredible. And he, uh, I was reading this, not, because I was interested in journaling, but because I was interested in psychology and, and all this stuff. And he says that people who write their honest thoughts and feelings out unedited, when you ask your editor mm -hmm. to leave, things will come mm -hmm. out that you had no idea were there. He says, when you do that, 50% of the people that do that have less doctor visits, better physical health and better mental health. And so it's like one of those things where I might have been drawn to it because I was a creative person, but just like working out and going to the gym, some people are more apt to just be workout people. I'm not one of those. I've had to build the skill of working out into my life. Yeah. Discipline. This is one discipline. This is one of those practices that you have to build into your life because your must, your mind and your brain is, I don't know if the doctors would agree with this, but I think it's like a muscle that must be worked oh. out. For you know, sure. It, and when you like, well, I'm not a natural journaler or this doesn't work for me or whatever, that's like saying, well, push-ups don't work for me. You know, well, yeah, probably because you did it for three days and then haven't done it for a year. And so uh, building this habit of um, just getting up and writing longhand in a notebook with a pen for three pages, mm. just write nonstop for three pages, you'll be like, what the heck is this even about? Don't edit anything you're writing. Don't worry about spelling or grammar. Just write for three pages or 10-ish to 15 minutes straight. And by the end, if you don't stop, 
about the five or six minute mark, you will have gotten through all your self-doubt. You'll you'll just have been writing and eventually you'll stop caring about what's happening and stuff will start to come out that you didn't know it was there. And if you build that habit into your 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 soul and your mind, yeah. your brain will start to uh, have a, a stronger attention span too, but it will start to file away things in the appropriate way. Like I was saying, a budget for your mind. Right. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question about... Yeah. non-creatives but it's it's kind of like um you know we all know we need to exercise more and, and eat less uh and we could say oh that's not for me and i i don't want this journaling thing to turn into a um a you know a should, a should or should not or a chore or a legalistic mm-hmm. thing either this mm-hmm. is about um this is and and honestly i probably do it three or four times a week now it's not okay. every day, uh, partly because it's like I do it now on a regular basis, but it's still not every day anymore. And I because I don't want it to be a legalistic thing. I don't want it to right. be a drag. Uh, I want it to be something healthy. And even when you work out, you need to take rest days from it. So anyways, I don't know if that answers all your questions, but. Yeah. And from personal experience, if I can share a, a personal story, when I come from a faith where journaling was a commandment yeah you know keep a rec- keep a record and oh, so cool. when we started as kids you know even the ability to write my dad who was actually a broadcast journalist who had to write stories to clarify what's happening yeah we were taught to keep a journal and when i was eight years old i was given a little book and I remember the first thing I journaled was about a dream I had. Um, yeah. I think I was like eight years old and there was, I liked some girl and it was like, it was anyways, <laughs> that's yeah. the very first thing I ever <laughs> hey, wrote. And then I, I drew the, I drew this little figure of, there was this girl. Yeah. yeah just like a stick figure with a dress. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but we were consistently doing it and, and I've been blessed because I've journaled ever since that, that cool. day, not, not every day, but I, I have books upon books. Yeah. Um, and without that, without that, you know, um, I don't know that I could have processed what was going on. Now my yeah. dad, oh, and, but, and I want to get to this other point is my dad also keeps a record, but one thing he also does as kind of a patriarch of a, of a large family. And he's very persistent in, in his views. And I have so much love and respect for him because he's so, disciplined in it but i think a large part of it is because as he reads scripture he will journal what it means to him and then he sends out a group text Uh to the the entire family Uh so like father abraham abraham we we get you know we get taught and preached to and i think it's a beautiful thing but i think that in and of itself that practice has helped secure his own personal faith in God. Yeah. Um, so, so I think the one of the points you're saying is that if when you are journaling and involving God into the process, yeah, there's real spiritual and mental growth. Yes. So there's you know all the all the scientific teaching out there about journaling is is that mental side and it's you know clearing out your brain and and getting things organized. But I don't want people to just journal for journal's sake. 
you know, uh, good, good job at mental health and, you know, all of those things. That's a side benefit. I want us to get quiet enough so that we can actually hear God more clearly. Mm. When we, when you get quiet and you work through what I call, uh, stealing from Dallas Willard, this epidermis level stuff. So in the journaling teaching that I do, there's four layers. There's the first layer, which is the epidermis layer. Think of it like your skin. Yeah. Uh, the next layer is the muscle layer. It's a little deeper. The next layer is the heart layer, which is a little deeper than that. And then the last one is the bone layer. And so mm -hmm. in the in the first layer, the epidermis layer, what you're doing is is what I would we've been talking about so far. It's the ten minutes of just nonstop writing. What you're you're just getting through all of the stuff that's just knocking around in your brain. Oh, yeah. the laundry. I got the bills. I got to pick up the kids. Oh, Valentine's Day. Did I get flowers? You know, like <laughs> all this stuff. That's the first 10 minutes. But what happens is as you work through this epidermis level stuff, you get a little deeper, what I call the muscle. Okay. Where you're less worried about, okay, we got to get groceries today. And you're more worried about, am I a good father? Mm. Am I doing my purpose on the earth? You know, you finally slow down the epidermis stuff to start asking deeper questions. Mm. It happens inevitably. I did something, uh, a few weeks ago uh, with a group, I led them through an hour long session. And in this session, I have you just write I, for 12 to 15 minutes. And inevitably, halfway through that period of time, you'll start to hear sniffles. Okay. And I didn't even prompt a difficult question. It was just start writing, don't stop for 15 minutes. About six, seven minutes in, you'll start to hear sniffles because people are starting to work through and they're finally calming mm. down their brain mm. to get to the stuff that's really important to them. And then when they start writing that stuff that's important to them, then they start releasing it to God and saying, hey, God, where are we at? What do yeah. you want me to do? And that's yeah. where the heart layer comes in. Because if we're believers and we have asked God to, to be the king of our lives, he is with us in spirit. And so uh, in our hearts. And so you can trust where he's leading. And so that's that third layer, the heart layer, where what am I actually feeling, God? And what are you trying to say to me? And so we incorporate some silence into it as well. We mm -hmm. can say, say, okay, God, with all this stuff I just wrote, what is it you want to say to me? And then you just listen for a couple mm -hmm. minutes. And sometimes you're like, is this God? What is this? You know, And you just write it down. And sometimes there's nothing but if you do that on a regular basis over the course of weeks or months, you'll start to see patterns and uh, you can listen to those patterns. And then lastly, the bone section mm -hmm. is where uh, we don't spend a ton of time in this part of it, but I do go there one. In, in, if I do a six-week session, one of the sessions is, is on this, the bone layer where you actually write for 10 or 15 minutes on a traumatic experience. Uh, Dr. Pennebaker, actually I have his book right here, is he, he's the like preeminent doctor on this. And uh, he's done a ton of research on trauma. And if you take for three to four days straight and write nonstop for 15 minutes each of those days about a traumatic experience, mm. you will start to heal. And there's a whole there's a whole process to do this. But that's where you have to go back and why I call it the bone layers, because sometimes bones need to be broken and reset um and yeah, that's where yeah. you know, some somewhat work on the trauma stuff so yeah that's yeah i found that 
I found that to be true in my own life and in the lives of other people that apply these principles of writing things down and processing it. It's yeah. almost like we're doing a personal inventory. And it made me think yeah. of second, second Corinthians 13, five, where, um, it said that Jesus says, examine yourselves oh, to good, see yeah. whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Yeah. And it's what you're saying about incorporating God into this because for Christians, God is the source of love. Yeah. God is what pours love into us. So as we're, um, I would, I would, I would think Luke that as we're pouring out our hearts into a journal that when we're thinking this God of love, we need to have grace. Yeah. We, yeah. we need to have, you know, you're writing a traumatic event. Yeah. This is why journaling in our grief is so important because we start to unravel yeah. everything that is painful. Yeah. But, but also don't you think at the same time, there should be a companion journal to our trauma of, what did I learn? Yeah. And how grateful am I yeah. for the experience of knowing this person who passed? Yeah. You know, when my, when my brother passed, um, and sorry if I'm no. going on, but, but when good. my brother, when my brother passed, uh, while I was waiting for a heart transplant, everybody oh, was just, yeah, everyone was distraught. But, um, my uncle went to go tell my grandmother at the time and um my grandfather had passed so she was widowed uh in and and they went to go tell her doors always open to her house she's of that era and uncle alan went in to find her and found her in her bedroom on her knees she already had found out and she was on her knees thanking god for the opportunity to know yeah her grandson yeah there was no complaining. There was no asking why is this happening? It was, and she'd been to enough funerals yeah. <laughs> in, in her span of life. That's kind of what you do when you retire, yeah. you travel and you go to funerals um, and write birthday cards. <laughs> but she was just so grateful yeah. to know him. And in this process of journaling, have you seen, you know, you teach these courses, people can sign yeah. up for these courses. You yeah. go in depth and people's, what, do you have an example of somebody's life who you've witnessed change? Mm. Well, yeah. Um, you don't have to say their name. Yeah, just, that's, <laughs> that's, what I was, that's what I was thinking. No, 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 no um, yeah, don't, don't, don't. Uh, two stories come to my mind. Uh, there's a, a lady I used to work with and she was a, she was a believer for a long time too. And, um, what I would say at Ramsey sometimes is we would, um, I mean, we consider ourselves there as thought leaders. Like we wanted to be thought leaders, but often we'd be running around, you know, you're going to meeting to meeting and you, you've got all this work to do and so on and so forth. But the phrase that stuck out to me was how can we be thought leaders if we don't ever give ourselves mm -hmm. any time to think? Yeah. And yeah. I remember, uh, maybe it was that thing that we talked about, but I started talking about, about journaling with her and she took it and over the course of those few years she really took it to heart and she was journaling mm -hmm. all the time and it transformed how she was leading it transformed uh how she was 
doing her team, her own spiritual walk. And so I saw a huge change and I don't obviously take the credit for that. Journaling was my little words were small compared to what God was doing in her heart. But, um, another one that sticks out to me is someone who came through the courses a couple uh, months ago. And he said, you know, Luke, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've never stopped and asked God what he wanted to say to me. Oh, wow. Like and that. I was just like, huh, man. Cause we're always just like, God, when we pray, you know, please give me, you know, money or please give me a wife or a job or, or, you know, whatever the things we're asking for all the time. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, maybe sometimes God is just saying, Hey, just slow down. I just want to be with you, you know? So sp speaking of your, uh, I love that story it's you told beautiful. about your grandma. Uh, Chip Dodd is a as a psychologist that I that I like. Yeah. I like his book called The Voice of the Heart, and mm -hmm. he talks about the eight core feelings. And one of those feelings is sadness. And you're talking about grief and talking about your grandmother. Sadness, when we actually acknowledge it, shows us what we value, mm -hmm. and that's what I love. Like tears show us what matters to us. Yeah. And yeah. when we're sleepwalking through life, just, you know, taking in no, no shade on the Super Bowl or whatever, I loved watching it, but you go from Super Bowl to staring at your phone to sleeping to get up to check your email to then go to work to then do the next thing, the next thing, yeah. the next thing, the next thing. And yeah. all of a sudden, like there is a deeper spiritual world going on that is, we got to slow down to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, there's a story that uh, Jake Smith is a friend of mine too. He's he does something called Plumline Groups, and he I, I know he got this story from somewhere else, but I don't know where it was. And he tells a story about this group of uh, American hikers that were I think it might have been going up. You know, uh, what's that big mountain over in uh, that everybody climbs? Everest. The, Everest. Everest right. Yeah. And so they they start climbing this thing, or it might have been a missionary trip. I'm going to mess this story up, but uh they have local guides taking them on this journey yeah and and they covered a lot of ground over the course of a short period of time and so they take a break because the the guides the local guides sit down and they just sit there and the americans are like all right we ate our lunch and it's it, let's go where are we going and they had covered so much ground the the uh the guides, a lot of them didn't speak English, were just not moving. They were like, we're not going mm. anywhere. And finally, they yeah. found someone to translate. And the guide said, no, we've covered so much ground over this course of time that we need to stop and let our souls catch up. I love and that. I was just like, dang, like we move so fast mm. and our souls are way back there going, hey, <laughs> we're tired. <laughs> like, <laughs> Reminds God, me. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds um, me of like scuba diving. You know, oh, you, yeah. you have to stop at certain levels because of the pressure. Yeah. And um, and then as you go up, you have to wait, do safety stops uh, for three minutes. And yeah. without doing that, you're not going to get, your lungs could, you know, can't take it. Yeah. And so I love this idea that we need to go, go, go. And then we need to stop. And it gets yeah. back to, you know, thou shalt rest. Yeah. We see, we see Jesus busy with the crowds, healing people, yeah. putting his whole heart into everything, God's heart into everything. Yeah. And then what does he do? He escapes yep. into the wilderness to be alone, alone with, with his father yep. to process, you know, everything 
that's yeah, which is which is and maybe he kept a little journal that we never yeah. saw right you know and, yeah and uh i love what I'm, the chosen. i love what the chosen guys did with that this this last season that i i just watched where he jesus was preparing for the sermon on the mount and he would he would disappear to write some of that stuff down like yeah, he had yeah. to he had you know he had to go figure out what the heck he wanted to say and what god wanted to say through him and you know all this all this stuff and i like how they did that in that in this in this last season yeah in, in, in the way uh dallas directed that and wrote that is jesus is with matthew you know the book yeah. of matthew he's a tax collector so he takes meticulous notes uh, you know yeah he, he used to know the calculator really well and the way they do and he would write down he knew what people owed and didn't know so he's keeping a complete record and i love the humanity exhibited yeah. through jesus the mortality that he inherited from his mother yeah. from his father immortality but from his mother he has these human emotions and uh he looks at matthew and he proposes some type of phrase and Matthew's like, oh, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they, they keep working on it. But don't you remember Jesus yeah. pauses? Yeah. He pauses. He takes a break. Right. We don't, we don't do this. And yeah, uh, right. this is why your message is so. Yeah. It resonates and, with me the importance of of learning how to journal on a deeper level, which yeah. is what you offer, which is what you're offering. Yeah. There's a. Um, I mean, it's based off of, uh, you know, the Deuteronomy text that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But there's a, a couple of writers, I'm blanking on what their names are. Uh, Rob Murray's one of them, yeah. And uh, they wrote a book called The Human Operating System. Hmm. And based off of the human operating system being heart, soul, mind, strength. And often, again, not picking on America, I love America, but America. We, we often run in the... Uh, mind and strength quadrants of that and if you always are just over in mind and strength your heart and soul get starved yeah and also if you're over in the heart and soul all the time you, you never make anything or you never actually finish the project and you don't get things done so the key is to be working heart soul mind and strength all the yeah. time and yeah. use your mind and strength when you need to but also rest let your soul catch up keep your soul in a good place you know you got to do all four so i love that there, makes me think of the series the crown yeah um, you know prince philip is dating kate kate has a family and they sit around the table together and they have dinner and so philip is with his grandma queen elizabeth and queen elizabeth asks if you had a good time and philip goes do you know this family eats together? They sit around the table and they eat together. Uh, He's like, well, why would they do that? <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's this cra crazy, oh crazy yeah. thing. But, um, yeah. you know, I'm grateful that my parents, even though we were always kind of pushing against the pricks, is that my parents <laughs> would sit around, have us all sit around the dinner table and kind of go around and review what happened that day and most of us were like yeah, I, I don't know mom gave me a well, yeah. i got a twinkie in my lunch right. so i know she loves me yeah um or she's trying to kill me yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but we take these moments in life and we pause and reflect and um yeah so if people want to and they should 
take this course from you that really dives deep into so how do they go about signing up and doing our our next one our next one starts on february 20th so i'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out Uh, okay so um what i would say is go to holywork.com yeah and uh there will be an offer eventually for the one that comes after if this comes out or come sign up for the february 20th if this comes out yeah but so um, this this is this is going to come out um hello everybody by the time you listen this is happening at that moment (laughs) uh this is a pre-recorded episode and if you go on youtube let me shamelessly plug i got new merch so hey. go check, check out the new merch uh, cool. on the website. And that's also where the link is to this podcast. But yeah, yeah it's going on this Sunday. So in that gives people enough time. Yeah, to, it starts a week. It, it start the, the podcast, if you say Sunday, the podcast yes. comes out. So yes. this will be the Tuesday after. Uh, so if you get it, come join us for that Tuesday. But I offer these usually every quarter. So okay. there'll be another one. And then eventually it'll come on video in some form for you, so you don't have to wait for the next live thing. But um, yes. and I'm that's the put best this, way to do it. Okay, I'm going to put this in the show notes. So everybody cool. go to the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube to actually see our virtual conversation, it's there in the notes. Yeah. Now, just for clarity, when you guys are Googling Luke Lefevre, there is another... <laughs> There's another Luke Lefevre, and he lives close by. Yeah, he lives here in Franklin, and uh, I've talked to him a few times. It's it's so crazy. Like, it's not like it's John Smith. It's Luke Lefevre, spelled exactly the same. And uh, he's a believer, too. So, like, he's got a cool mission going, and uh, it's it's just strange. So that's why go to holywork.com versus trying to spell my name, and uh, that's where I would think, does the government ever mess that up and send you his tax information and you get yours? Not yet. Not yet. Maybe someday. That's law. That's awesome. Social security numbers help with that. (laughs) So what's the, what's, what's the website? Holywork.com. That's so much easier. Yes, exactly. Don't holywork.com. Yeah. Don't try to spell my name. Yeah. Because if you say Lefevre, it's, I think it's French. Yes. French. And I think we Americanized it when we brought it to whoever came, came over here. Like it's probably like Lefevre. You know, with the throat in there, but they came over and they're like, "Whatever, Lefevre." <laughs> and I love that G- Getty Lee, the lead singer of Rush, just wrote yeah. his uh, biography, and everyone oh, should cool. listen to the autobiography or the uh, the yeah. uh, autobiography audio, uh-huh. and it's called "My Ethan Life." <laughs> but he talks about his Holocaust um, surviving parents that came oh, over, yeah. and they had this long, long name, you know, and he's like, uh, they just call her Nancy." <laughs> you know, yeah, right. so, I love that. Oh, I love man, that. That's right. Yeah. Hey, Luke, man, uh, love you. I'm so grateful that you're on this uh, yeah, podcast and that people can take this class from you and really have their life changed. Yes. I think not because of what I'm teaching, because it's a, it's an experiential thing. It's not Luke talking the whole time. It's you mm-hmm. going through uh, these, these experiences and actually doing them and, that's the powerful thing. And uh, I'm excited for people to go through that. So cool. It's like a, it's like a really um, applying yourself in some type of a therapy. Yeah. So it's, it's like self therapy. Yeah. Self. Yeah. And, okay. and this, you know, if you have some, like this might point out, Oh, I need to go to a, a real therapist or I need to go to a counselor and really work through this with a professional. Okay. Absolutely. Um, 
even in some of Dr. Pennebaker's stuff, he's he's like, hey, if you start to write about some of that traumatic stuff and it's just too much, you should stop and yeah. go talk to a, a real therapist or a psych psychologist and really work through it. Um, so that's that's also what this does is it shows, oh, I need, okay, there's some stuff here that I, I've got over in the corner that I haven't yeah. dealt with in a while. So I'm excited for people to experience it. So true, so true. All right, buddy. Thank you All so right. much. Yeah, man. All right. Thanks for having me.